Timothy chapter 4. As we continue this study through the book of 1 Timothy, last week we saw Paul exhorting Timothy regarding and warning him about false teaching. Those who would, through hypocrisy and lies, would teach man-made religion as a substitute for the truth of what God had to say. And often, as he showed in the examples there, when people create religion, they create artificial limitations that are all about deprivation. It's about keeping yourself from pleasure. It's about you know, keeping yourself from certain foods and from marriage and so on. And so often that's what religion attempts to do. Now he continues on with that discussion but shifts gears a bit and talks about two subjects a little bit that no one likes to be lectured on. Um, those are the subjects of nutrition and exercise. <laughs> and especially as we're moving towards Thanksgiving, we just don't want to hear about that at all. Um, but he uses it as a metaphor for um, what we need spiritually. I googled nutrition and exercise and there are fi over 54 million, or like 54,400,000 pages on the internet of information just about nutrition and exercise. And so I read all of those <laughs> this week. Now, I saw an interesting study, though, that, that, uh, that was talking about the healthcare crisis in America. I don't know if you've heard that we have one, but... Um, <laughs> They said that if you could get Americans to just eat nutritiously and exercise every day, we would in this country save a trillion dollars a year. And uh, so it's, it's obviously it's a big deal. Jay Leno talked about that and he said, ah, forget it, pay the trillion and give me a cheeseburger. But <laughs> so often, obviously, Nutrition, that which we take into our body that is the fuel for what we do, and then exercise how we utilize our body in order to develop the capacities that, that of the potential that we have, these are two critically important elements of life. And certainly you don't have to look very far to, to recognize what happens when either you become malnourished or you eat too much of the wrong things, and then you don't exercise, you don't use the muscles and the body parts that you actually have, and they begin to atrophy and you lose the use of your body and can't do what you were created to do, it obviously creates problems for people in this life. And Paul acknowledges that, but what he wants Timothy to know is, and he would kind of assume a certain awareness of how important it is to, to eat and to exercise. But he says, take that and apply it in the spiritual realm, because as important as nutrition and exercise are for someone in the physical realm, it's so much more important for us to make the application into the spiritual realm. Now, Paul certainly appreciated the capacity to nourish his body, and he used his body to bring glory to the Lord. Paul was also a guy who got plenty of exercise. Everyone did in those days. Everywhere you went, you walked. Walking was an important part of their lives. So much of their teaching happened. For the disciples walking around with Jesus, for Paul on his journeys, so much of the time was spent walking. And so they understood how much 
you need to have your physical capacities so that you can do that. Go over to Jerusalem and check out how far it is from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem and read about Jesus and his disciples making that trek regularly and you realize, wow, these people actually had to use their bodies in a way that's pretty impressive compared to the way we are when, if I can't, I mean, I was at Costco yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, yesterday, and people will drive around for 45 minutes. I, I ended up parking way out in the lot, walking in, getting the stuff I needed, and came back out. And there were people that were still <laughs> driving around trying to find a close parking place because, oh, man, if we have to walk more than 50 feet, what are we going to do? And uh, so it's a different world today than it was then. But we still have the same needs, and we still have the same both capacities and incapacities if we neglect these areas. But let's look at what Paul has to say, beginning in verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 6 and part of 7 at first. He says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, that is, in what, you know, uh, in the Word of God and prayer, in that which matters, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables. We'll stop there for a moment. Paul's telling Timothy, good teaching from the Word of God, good doctrine, understanding teachings about God and about what God has said, is that which provides nourishment for you, is that which feeds you your spirit in a way that allows you to grow. Now, for Timothy, that had been true since he was a little kid. He had the blessing of growing up with a God-fearing grandmother and mother who spent a lot of time just teaching him the things of the Lord. And then as he got older, and he, he was connected to men like Paul and others who, who mentored him and led him along and taught him, Paul's saying here, that's the stuff, the, the elements of the Word of God and solid doctrine. Timothy, that's what has been your nourishment. That's what has allowed you to become who you are, to grow up, to mature, to be useful, to be a minister of God. Now, Timothy certainly was called to be a minister. At this time, he was ministering there in Ephesus as Paul was writing to him. He ministered in many other places, but every one of us is called to be a minister of God, a minister of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, God has given you gifts. He has given you responsibilities and opportunities to be used by Him. To minister just means to serve, and to find a ministry is to find a place whereby you can contribute into the lives of others. And in order to do that, you certainly need nourishment. And that which nourishes us is the Word of God, good, solid doctrine. Now, ultimately, we can receive that from a lot of different areas. But the, but the, the real fruitfulness comes from the pure Word of God. Um, in the same way that if you're thirsty, you, you need water. Now, there are a whole lot of different beverages that will quench your thirst. 
And I mean, you can, instead of drinking water, you can drink lemonade, you can drink Coke or Diet Coke, you can drink a chocolate malt and, or orange juice or whatever, and each of those things has the capacity to quench your thirst. But if you evaluate every drink that you drink and see which one quenches you the most, they are in direct proportion to the amount of water that's contained in the drink. And so if you make a list of all the drinks and their percentages of quenching capacity that they have, it's directly correlated to the amount of water that's in there because ultimately it's only water that really has the power to quench your thirst. Now, in the same way, that which nourishes us is in direct proportion to the, what it contains about God and his word, the word of God and good solid doctrine. Now, at the same time, that doesn't mean that it's all about volume. It's not like, okay, then what I need to do is just flood people with God's word. Any more than if you're really thirsty, what you need to do is go out to our fire hydrant out there and turn it on. <laughs> and, you know, you might not get much water out of that. But at the same time, you know, we have teachers all around us. There are lots of books that come out. I read lots of books, and ultimately the value of each of them is in how they teach us about God and His Word. What degree, what percentage of it actually connects us to what God actually has to say. Because what we really need in order to grow and to be healthy spiritually is what does God say, what His Word is. Now, Different people have different gifts in terms of how to dole that out for us. And we all have different preferences in terms of styles of teaching and ways of communication. And there are all sorts of gifts that God gives people in order to help them to work the Word of God into someone else's life. But each one of us, if we are going to help someone else and minister to them, it's going to be from the basic content of what God has said. So if you're going to give someone a good piece of advice, it ought to have something to do with what God has said. And that's what will make it effective. Because ultimately, that's what quenches our spiritual thirst. That's what nourishes us in the same way that food gives us those nutrients that are necessary for the body to function. It's the truth of God and the Word of God that gives us that capacity spiritually. And so Paul wants to just get that out of the way. Now, he contrasts it here with profane or common and old wives' fables. Now, he's not ripping old wives. Nothing wrong with being an old wife. Um, but he's using this expression, and we use the expression old wives' tales. And it's not a slam on women as they get older and tell stories. Um, it's a reference to... Uh, the fact that, it, it, think of it as a grandmother with her grandchild on her knee and she's telling them fairy tales. She's telling them stories. It could be a grandpa too, that works just as well. And there's nothing wrong with fantasy, there's nothing wrong with fairy tales, there's nothing wrong with cute little stories or reminiscing about the past. And all of those things are appropriate when someone is there communicating with the child. But what he's saying is, you better have more to say than just sweet little stories and fun fairy tales and old reminiscences of past events. 
if you really want to make a difference into someone's life, you need to bring them solid content of what God has said from his word. It's a slam really not on old wives, but it's a slam on people for whom all they do is tell stories. And in, in Paul's day, and certainly there in Ephesus as he's addressing the issue, there were false teachers who, when they had an opportunity to communicate the word of God, instead all they were doing was telling cute stories and being very entertaining like you would to a child, a little child on your knee. And at some point, you have to grow past that. You need to get into things that are really going to feed you of substance. And, and that's what every one of us has learned. If, if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to get healthier, more productive, you want to have a life that really influences others, then you have to get beyond just nice, warm, fuzzy stories. Nothing wrong with nice, warm, fuzzy stories. But what Paul is reminding Timothy of is, look, if you really want to make a difference for people, it's going to be because you communicate what God says in a way that they can receive, in a way they can understand, in a way that feeds them. Periodically, I like listening to fluff. And sometimes, just for entertainment, I don't mind watching something that isn't really substantial. I mean, you know, many of you know, I love just watching people hit each other. Um, <laughs> on fights, you know, and had a great night last night. We went out and we were having great fellowship, but when I got home, thankfully, I had TiVo'd Fedor's fight on, on CBS, and, and I watch it. Now, that, to many of you, that seems like, how, how can you even watch that? How can you enjoy seeing that? Well, believe me, all week long, that's not what I spend my time on, but every once in a while, it's just nice to have a break and watch someone break someone else, and... <laughs> It kind of makes me feel good about my week at the end of the week. And, and there's a place for that. But at the same time, if, I, if we get together on Sunday morning and I go, okay, you know, you're going to be really blessed today because I brought the tape of the fight with <laughs> Fedor Emelianenko and you're going to see him throw this incredible punch that knocks this guy, Brett Rogers, out. And that's how we're going to spend Sunday morning. Now, some of you would go, woo, yeah, that's, I've been looking for a church like this. But for most of us, we would go, I don't know, I was kind of hoping to get something a little more substantial today. Now, a whole lot of what's done in the name of ministry sometimes doesn't have a whole lot more benefit than watching an ultimate fight or watching the roller derby, or something else, or watching a, a soap opera, or just seeing skits and plays and things like that. Those things have their place, but content that's life-changing has to be nutritious, and that's why ultimately we need to get down to the difficult things of life as God illuminates them in His Word that's an important part of what we need substantially. And if you spend too much time with a, with a diet of just fairy tales and nice warm stories and good sentiment, you'll start to feel like, I don't know, man, I listened, but there's something missing. I'm not, I'm not growing. I don't feel myself really getting anywhere. Other than I come, I feel good, I go home. And so... Paul's addressing that, and he's saying, Timothy, if you're a faithful minister, you're going to feed the flock of God. 
And that comes from his word and from good, solid doctrine. Again, not to say let's cram it down their throats, let's give them everything they can. It, it, ministry is more than just saying what God says, because if that was all it was, we just read the Bible to people and then go home. It has to do with application. It has to do with understanding it and illustrating it in a way that it really can seep into us, just like nutrients are. You could probably live just eating enough vitamins, but it really goes down better if you have some other things to wash it down and to cause it to flow through you. And so that's why you eat a little varied diet. And in the same way, in terms of ministry, it's not simply giving the Word of God and that's all you do, but the Word of God has to be central to it and that has to be what it's about because when it's all said and done, what's left over, what changes us, what makes a difference in our lives is God's Word, His truth, solid biblical doctrine. And so Paul's just reminding Timothy, you have a choice as a minister. And for each of us, we have a choice as to the message that we convey to everyone we influence. Do you want to give them something of substance, or do you want to tell them fairy tales? Then he goes on and continues, and after having dealt with nutrition and saying, Timothy, you know what nourished you. That's what you need to give to others. Then in verse 7, he continues and says, and exercise yourself toward godliness. The word for exercise is the word um, gumnazo, which is the word from which we get gymnasium. It was a word that meant to train athletically. Paul uses sports a lot for his analogies. Um, in writing to Timothy, Timothy was there in Ephesus. Ephesus is one of the first locations of the Olympic Games. They certainly knew about this kind of stuff. And so he's saying, hey, not only do you need to, be, to get spiritual nutrition, but you need to spiritually exercise as well toward godliness. And he says, for bodily exercise profits a little. Now, he doesn't say bodily exercise is no good for you. Bodily exercise is, is very critical if you want to live in this life. And so he goes, hey, no, it, it's good, definitely. He wasn't saying anything negative about it, but he says, it does profit you a little. However... Godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So spiritual exercise, exercise toward godliness, is something not only that will benefit your life here and now, like physical exercise does, but it's something that lasts forever. And so as important as physical exercise is, and it is, bodily exercise, uh, spiritual exercise Way more important because it lasts longer. And then he says, this is a faithful saying. You can believe this, and it's worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor. That word means that you work so hard that you're fatigued. You take yourself to the end of yourself. You go to, your, to the limit of failure. And you suffer reproach. Um, that's a word that means um, that you're reviled, but probably the better texts have the word agonizo, which means to strive, and it fits better with the context, and a lot of the manuscripts have that word. And so he, probably what he's saying is, this is why we're working so hard that we can't go any further. This is what we're striving for. This is what we're agonizing about. 
this is worth the effort that we put in because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe these things command and teach. So, nutrition, the Word of God. Now, if you get plenty of nutrition, but you don't get any exercise, what happens to you? You don't get healthy. Your nutrition will not help you. And if you opt for no activity, you better also opt for less nutrition. A lot of people get fed so much the Word of God, but if they don't ever put it into practice, it can actually do weird things in your life. You can become spiritually obese. You can begin to believe that you're better than other people. You'll puff yourself up, even as eating too much nutrition without exercise will do. And, and those capacities that you have, the muscles that you have, can atrophy, can just sit there, and, and you, you don't get anything done. You're, you become good for nothing, spiritually. And so he's saying, hey, make sure that you exercise spiritually. So what does that mean to exercise toward godliness? What it means is you take what you've taken in and you work it out. You use those capacities that God has given you. You do what he tells you to do. You actually practice Christianity instead of just learning about Christianity. You get it out of your head down into your feet and your arms and your legs, and you actually do something about it. Now, scriptures talk a lot about, about exercising yourself spiritually and, and about the discipline that's involved with being a Christian. And this is the hard part. Nutrition's e comparatively easy. Exercise, doing it, it's a lot tougher. To take your, the gifts that God has given you and actually use them sometimes is painful, just like physical exercise is. I mean, I almost never feel like exercising. There are some people who have some genetic quirk or whatever where they just like love to exercise. Ooh, I can't wait to get out and do that. Hey, if you're one of those people, that's great. But for me, and I exercise almost every day, and I pretty much hate it a lot of the time. It's... <laughs> I mean, I go to the gym, and I work out, and I'm sore, and I'm tired, and I'm going, why do I do this? And then as I'm walking to the shower, I catch my profile in the mirror, and I go, oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> but, and sometimes spiritual exercise is that way. But you do it because he tells you to do it, and you find out after you've done it, and you realize, wow, I'm growing in my capacity. I'm becoming, it doesn't hurt as much. I'm getting things done. I may last longer and live longer as a result of it. This is worth it. And that's the real question is, if God tells you to do something, not is this going to be comfortable or easy, but is it worth doing? And that's why he says it's worth it because the God who created you, the living God, has a has a place for you to fulfill in his mission of saving the world. And that makes it worth it. So what is spiritual exercise? I mean, obedience. So for instance, you read the Bible and it tells you about prayer and the power of prayer. And you can hear pastors talking about prayer and you hear people remind you of prayer. And you even say to people, hey, I'll pray for you. Hey, pray for me. And you say all that. But are you really willing to pray? And that's a lot tougher. It's easier to talk about prayer, to tell people you'll pray, than it is to actually do it. As soon as you start praying, a lot of times you just start praying and you just fall asleep. And sometimes we go, 
well, that's a beautiful way to go to sleep. Yeah, but it's even a more beautiful way to stay awake, to say, even if I have to get up and walk around while I'm praying, I believe that prayer works, and therefore I want to devote time to it, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's difficult, even if I don't feel like it today, I understand that prayer actually does something, and it makes a difference. And prayer allows me to develop greater capacities for prayer. The more I pray, the better I get at praying. The more I pray, the more I care about the people I'm praying for. And, and the more I pray, the more I see answers to prayer. It's, a, it's the same way with other things that scriptures tell us to do. Like to get alone and spend quality time with God. To just be still and know that he's God. To, to sit in his presence. To wait on the Lord. That isn't something that sounds like a fun thing to do. And it isn't something that's easy. But it's something that is a spiritual exercise. You do it because it's good for you. You do it because you need to. You do it because it's important. And as you do it, you grow closer to God. You hear his, his voice more. You become more effective in every area of your life. Same thing as sharing your faith with others. To talk to somebody else about the Lord is, is a stretch. It's difficult. It's, it can be embarrassing if they don't like what you say or the way that you say it. And most people, the first time they try to share Christ with somebody, they don't really know how to do it. It's intimidating. But the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. It doesn't sound really forced. It, it just works into a conversation. And then when God blesses it and you have the privilege of leading someone into a relationship with Jesus, you go, man. This is awesome. I love doing this. You get better at it. You do it more. It's being obedient to, to the Lord. The same thing with just going out of your way to encourage someone and minister to them. It's the same thing with giving to God's work, taking the money that you think you can't afford to lose and sacrificially giving it to the Lord. It's the same thing with taking some of your time and saying, I'm really busy, but I'm going to do this Anyway, as a spiritual exercise, you, you reap huge spiritual benefits, and eternally that kind of thing pays off. Now, the easiest way to be a Christian, I suppose, would just be to be an obese Christian and just listen to teaching that makes you feel good and sit there and don't ever give and don't ever serve and don't ever share with anybody and just kind of wait for yourself to die and go to heaven and and. You, if you, that's the way you choose to live, you might think that you'll get to heaven and go, I really made out. I didn't have to do anything, and here I am. And yes, if that's what you choose to do, you'll still go to heaven because Jesus died for you and he gave you salvation. It's a free gift. But don't fool yourself into thinking that you're making out, that that's really a good deal, because you don't even begin to discover the excitement of the Christian life the fulfillment that he has for us until you put into practice that which he tells you to do. And all of that takes time. All of that is a sacrifice. And yet when you do it, it's like working out. You go, I'm not only getting better at this, it's starting to feel good some of the time, and I'm starting to enjoy other parts of life because of my willingness to make a sacrifice and to serve in this area. I'm always hyping and pushing people to go on missions trips. I think it's really important. We have one opportunity coming up early next year um, to go over to Cambodia. 
But it's not because we really need people to go. That's not what it's about. It's because I understand when you do that, even though, yes, it's expensive, and you may be worried about the economy, and you, don't, you hate to make that sacrifice, and, boy, I don't know if I can afford the time, and I'm afraid of this, and maybe that'll happen. But I'm telling you, no one ever goes off and serves the Lord for even a week somewhere else in another place in the world that doesn't come back and say, it's amazing, I appreciate home a lot more, and it was a blessing, and now I feel connected to those people. They're like, I have family members that are, that are on the other side of the world that I feel so close to, and they never drop in at my house. It's awesome. I don't have to, I don't owe them anything. They just, but I'm so connected at the heart with them, and it always, when you do something like that, it, it benefits you more than it even benefits anyone else. It's just a it's what we're created to do. You have gifts from God, and if you use those, it, it pays off huge dividends. And you start to discover, oh, this is what life is about. I was at the store yesterday, and, and I picked up, um, I got my little shoe boxes to fill for the kids down in Mexico. Now, you could easily, and it was kind of a hassle, you know, I hate going to the store, you know, it's Walmart, it's just, you know, well, you know. And, but I'm just, all of a sudden, I'm, I've just got these boxes. I haven't even bought the stuff to put in them yet. And I'm already feeling like I'm remembering what it was like to be in past years, to be down there in Pedregales and see the looks on those kids' faces. And I'm remembering what a special thing it is to, for something that, costs us very little and it makes such a difference to them and just seeing how it transforms people from our church who go down and pass out the gifts and and even thinking about after we take the gifts down how good pizza in San Diego tastes after being down there and smelling Mexico all day and it's like there's so it's such a complete package of something that starts by going okay it's that time of year again I guess I'll do it and you, you make those choices, and in the same way that when you drag yourself to go walk in the morning or to go to the gym, later on you look back and go, I had no idea that I was going to be the beneficiary of that which I was giving. And so Paul's stressing this to Timothy and saying, look, Timothy, I don't have to tell you about how important it is to keep your body in shape to keep it fit. Now, he's not talking about looking at yourself in the mirror and trying to get a six-pack abs. But it's like to be able to maintain your health in a way that you're able to move around and do and go where you need to go. But he says, Timothy, spiritually, there's even a greater priority to using your gifts in whatever simple way that God gives you opportunity to exercising those things that the scriptures talk about as spiritual disciplines, whether it's giving, whether it's fasting, whether it's making, you know, spending time with God, just being silent before him, whatever it is that interrupts our normal flow of life that says, I want to look at God, I want to listen to him, I want him to strengthen me and I want to be used he goes, Timothy, this is why we do it. And it hurts, and it's painful, 
and we agonize over it, and when we're done at the end of the day, we are absolutely exhausted. But here's why, as he says there in, in verse 10. This is why we fatigue ourselves, wear ourselves out, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. That's an interesting verse. I could do a whole message on it. But the idea is God desires to save everyone. He, he gave his life for everyone. He isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God never looks at the people who are saved and, got, and goes, okay, I guess we're done. <laughs> I mean, there may be a day when he comes and says, this is it. It's got to end somewhere. But Paul understood you know what? God's heart is to reach more people. Now, it's true that he's the savior of all men because he died for the sins of the world. However, the universalist would take that and say, well, then I guess everybody's going to get saved. But Paul makes it really clear here. No, some of the people that he is the savior of will never benefit from that because they'll never come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so he says, he's the savior of the world especially of, as, as he says, of those who believe. So there are people who are in a valley of decision. Now, theologically, we say that his death is sufficient for all, but it's efficient for some. And whether people are Calvinists or Arminians, we all agree on this, that only the people who accept Jesus Christ are the ones that benefit from his death. But he does make that universal offer of, of salvation to everyone. He died for the sins of the world. And Paul says, that's what makes me go to the gym spiritually. That's what makes me push myself. That's what makes me stretch myself. That's what makes me willing to be uncomfortable and miserable and strained and sore. Because I understand that the living God wants to use me to bring more people into his family, to make a difference in their lives so that they can believe in Jesus Christ because he wants them. He, he died for them, and he wants to save them, and that's what makes it worth the exercise. It's not exercising for you. It's exercising so that you will be able to maintain the capacity to connect with others and to reach others. And really, I'd rather just spend all my life hanging around with Christians. And I just assume we just had the rapture right now and all went to heaven. But it hasn't happened yet. And that means that God's not finished with us yet. And that there's a whole bunch of people out there he died for that don't know yet. And therefore, we need to exercise ourselves, push ourselves to make sure that we make every effort to be a part of that effort of salvation that God is doing in the world today. And therefore, that's why we discipline ourselves. That's why we push ourselves. That's why we stretch ourselves. That's why we exercise ourselves to godliness. And he says in verse 11, these things command and teach. And so I'm teaching this to you today. I'm commanding you this today. Please take this seriously. Make sure that you're taking in the nourishment that you need spiritually. And I strongly exhort you to also exercise yourself to godliness. Put in the work. Put in the effort. Now, you know, there are some people who go, you know what? 
It's too late for me. I've just spent my whole life sitting here being fat, and I can't exercise now. It's never too late to begin to feed yourself in a decent way, in a proper way, and to begin to get some exercise. I mean, you, you don't, it, it doesn't mean you're going to run a marathon tomorrow, but your life will improve if you will park your car one space away from where you normally parked and walk just a little bit further. Any stretching of yourself is going to be good for you. It may extend your life days or weeks or even years. Spiritually, in the same way, it's not too late to say, God, you've given me gifts. Your word declares that. And I want to begin to exercise them. It doesn't matter if you've never given to the Lord's work, if you've never really spent time in prayer, if you've never told anybody about Christ, if you've never tried to spend time with Him and in communion with Him, if you've never served in any way or shared with others in any other way, start now. It's not too late to get on an exercise program to godliness. And it's amazing how fast it works. It's amazing the kinds of transformations that happens in our lives when we will just get off of our blessed assurance and get out there and actually do what God calls us to do and allow his word to work out itself as we, as Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working in you, work out spiritually. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word and for giving us the opportunity to be a part of what you want to do in, in this world and in our communities, in our families, and all around the world. Lord, you say that you've gifted us, and we know there are certain things that we can do. And through your word, you challenge us to stretch ourselves, and I pray that we would be obedient, that we would just be the kind of people who are willing to push it a little bit to go just a little further, to do just a little more, to, to do it to the point of, of pain, if necessary, to practice that which you're telling us to do. Lord, each person here, there's something that you're speaking to them about. And God, I just pray that you would give them the courage and the discipline, the self-control, to begin to make those changes in their lives, whereby they will quit just wasting their life chasing fairy tales and watching other people live life and that they would begin to live the abundant life that you've called them to. Thank you, God, for the fact that you have a better life than what we've figured out yet. And we want to move forward in that better life. And we ask for your help and the help of your spirit to do just that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.